Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jordana and Paul here. We're going to talk with CBS military consultant Jeff McCausland, but we just wanted to clarify one quick thing uh, in, involving the uh, vaccines we were talking about with Dr. Poland. So DJ, DJ got the J&J, then he got the Pfizer booster. And we misspoke about something. So, DJ, what's the story? Yeah, yeah. We just had a little miscommunication. But Dr. Poland uh, clarified to me that off air that folks like myself who got the J&J shot originally, that means I'm fully vaccinated in one shot. And then I got a Mm -hmm. Pfizer booster or, you know, you can Mm -hmm. get a different booster. I got the Pfizer, which means I'm good to go. I'm vaxxed and boosted. I do not need an additional shot. So even though my original was only one, I'm two shots fully vaccinated and boosted where most folks are at three right now so just wanted to okay. clarify that thank you Give for the clarification thank you thank you hey the numbers are staggering when it comes to ukraine estimates of eight hundred fifty thousand ukrainians have fled the country many of those most of those have gone into poland kudos to uh to the poles who've who've let in the ukrainians mm-hmm. basically sight unseen and so they're they're doing a a huge favor uh to ukraine and to the rest of the world Ukraine State Emergency Service says over 2,000 civilians died during the first week of war. Impossible to confirm that. And again, Russia says about 500 of their soldiers have been killed. The Ukrainian forces are saying closer to 6,000 Russian soldiers have been killed in the first six days of war. One thing seems fairly certain in the fog of war, it's not going the way that that Vladimir Putin was hoping it would go. And I wanted to get, we wanted to get CBS military consultant Jeff McCausland back. A little bit of uh, straight talking when it comes to Ukraine and what's really going on. Jeff, welcome back. Paul, it's great to be with you. The concern that I think a lot of people have, based on the headlines in recent days, is that Putin is bringing in uh, cluster bombs, uh, these vacuum bombs, which are horrific, they use uh, gasoline and they literally suck the oxygen out of the air. And and they're banned, I think, under the Geneva Convention. And now there's talk of sieges for Kiev, surrounding Kiev and the other major cities and trying to starve the local population. Is Is there concern among the analysts you talk to that Putin is going to keep turning up the dial and bring more lethal strategies more lethal weapons into ukraine absolutely without question i mean the soviet military doctrine and russian military doctrine which evolved from that which i studied for the last 40 years or so of my time in the military emphasizes three things 
achieve surprise, speed, and then mass. Well, they didn't have surprise because we watched them massing this force using commercial satellites. They may have had a bit of tactical surprise about exactly when they attacked and where, but basically did not achieve that. They have not achieved speed. They are bogged down and having horrific problems with logistics, fuel, ammo, food, all those sort of things. You know, we used to say when I was in the military, strategy and tactics is for amateurs. Logistics and sustainment is for professionals. And we're seeing that played out. So not having achieved achieved those two things, the Russians will now move to the third thing, which is mass, mass. And how does that translate? That translates into more forces. They've now committed, we think, about 80% of the forces they had arrayed. We now see this long convoy trying to make its way slowly to Kiev, which is astounding. We might see the entry of Belarusian military forces on the side of the Russians the next few days. I think that's a distinct possibility. But mass for the Russians will really translate into more missiles, more rockets, more artillery, more close air support, and the kind of weapons, Paul, that you talked about, the thermobaric bomb, which can achieve a, an explosive power that's, you know, small-yield nuclear weapon-type power, drop whole large buildings, kill everybody in a particular area due to the explosive power of these weapons. And they're using those indiscriminately, as well as appears cluster munitions, uh, even though they say they're not targeting civilians, that's a blatant lie, and they make a watch film that proves that's untrue. And what they're trying to do, of course, is destroy the Ukrainian military, but also crush the will of the Ukrainian people, which has provided far more resistance than the Russian general staff ever expected. Let's talk. A, uh, this is Jordana, by the way, Jeff. Yeah. And um, let's talk a little bit about that resistance. I think we all stand amazed at the Ukrainian resistance and the fact that President Zelensky remains alive, thank God, is uh, a surprise to so many of us. Uh, could could the outcome of this be that Russia does not remain victorious and they lose this? And then if so, how does Putin save face at this point? Or is he just a, a, an unhinged, um, you know, dictator that will do whatever he can to win at this point? Well, you know, you have to think, John, about what threat did Ukraine really pose to Russia? And I'd say the threat was more to the regime than to Russia. Though Putin described it, well, you're going to put missiles in Ukraine. Untrue. Well, you're going to admit Ukraine to NATO, not going to happen anytime in the near future. So he tried to describe it as a threat to the security of Russia. It's really been a more of a threat to the regime. And the real threat is that Ukraine would become a successful democracy, become a successful market economy. And obviously, if it did, that would serve as a large Slavic country on the border of the Russian Federation that was doing quite well, while its population knows that Putin is overseeing a kleptoctic uh, leadership that are, of oligarchs, and that's not going to go well for the regime. But now the threat to, to Putin is even worse, because if he loses, as you suggest, then he's humiliated. And how does he go back to Moscow and look all those oligarchs and the general staff in the eye and try to say, you know, we actually won? I like to say there's no retirement home for old dictators when things go astray. And that's why I fear that he's going to move more towards mass to try to crush the Ukrainians. And then it's really unclear to me what type of end state he thinks he's going to achieve, because even if he were to defeat the Ukrainian military, and he might well do that, the Russians have an awful lot of military hardware, let's be honest. How can he possibly believe, he couldn't see what he has, that he can truly ever occupy Ukraine the size of Texas with 45 million people, unless he wants to put about one-third to one-half of the Russian army permanently in Ukraine to occupy it. 
Yeah, it's it's mission impossible. But where's the off ramp for Putin? If and I don't know what the analysts you talk to, the intelligence agencies you talk to, Jeff, are saying about whether or not he's sane, whether he's a rational actor still operating logically, or if he's been possessed by something else in his zeal to reconstitute the old Soviet Union. Is he a rational actor? But my question, are sanctions going to have any impact on his decision-making, and where's the off-ramp if he does want to de-escalate? Do we have to come up with some way for him to save face uh, for this to end soon? We know all wars must end, and we know the one thing you don't want to do is paint your opponent into a corner. That's not good. But unfortunately, the other rule of negotiation is don't paint yourself into a corner either. And I fear that Vladimir Putin has done that. So in terms of the sanctions, you know, Mr. Putin has pushed all his poker chips to the center of the table. So I think what we're doing right now is not so much trying to convince him to find an offer. Though he could say, for example, he could announce we've been successful. He could come back home. He could call for negotiations and try to put a fig leaf on all that. But he could try to do that. And dictators can oftentimes do that. They lie frequently. He could lie about that. Uh, I just don't think that's going to happen. So now the off-ramp, I think it really is we're trying not to so much influence him, but influence the people around him, the military and the oligarchs. The oligarchs, by some estimates, lost $125 billion in a couple days last week. That'll put a crease in your wallet. And the Russian economy obviously is collapsing. We're watching an implosion of that economy while they try to destroy Ukraine physically. The value of the ruble is down to a penny or less. Inflation is rampant. They have raised interest rates already to 20%. They won't even open the stock market, for goodness sakes. So that's going to influence them. And we're supporting the Ukrainians, and the Ukrainians are fighting well, and that's going to influence the uh, Russian general staff. So perhaps the the off-ramp for all of us is those leaders in Russia finally decide they need to find Mr. Putin a place to go and move him out and bring somebody in that can bring this to a close. A Mm. bunker and a bullet? Wow. Uh, Jeff, yeah. how long do you think this can last, and will the U.S. eventually send military? Well, I'll answer the second question first. The United States mm-hmm. do not believe, and the president has been pretty adamant about that, that we're going to send U.S. military forces in physically to Ukraine on the territory, or, by the way, put aircraft over the airspace of Ukraine like a no-fly zone. To do so would put us in a position of confronting the Russian Federation, and that would be a direct nuclear confrontation between us the two largest nuclear powers on the planet Earth. And I don't think anybody wants to go there. Uh, how long this could last? Well, obviously, I think this could grind on for a long period of time. Certainly, the Russians are not moving very, very rapidly. They have hardly made any progress in the last couple of days towards Kiev. They're making some progress in the south, but that's still slow, and their logistics seem to be totally bogged down. So the actual conventional fight could go on for some time, Even if that was successful, as I suggested to you, uh, it seems to me, based on the spirit we see of the Ukrainians, the amount of weaponry that have been passed out to the civilian population, Molotov cocktails and all that kind of thing, the Russians are going to be facing, even if they were sort of, quote-unquote, successful, a counterinsurgency. And they they remember, they remember very, very well that they lost 15,000 killed in action in Afghanistan. Yeah. Fighting an insurgency in 10 years. We lost 2,500, oh, by the way, over 20 years. And they uh, certainly could expect they might get bogged down in something like that. Hey, Jeff, uh, 30 seconds. Uh, Putin has been waving the nuclear card. 
just the fact that he, you know, took the alert level up a couple of notches, and I think even his generals seem to be surprised and concerned. Is is that something that we need to stay awake worrying about? Um, where, where do you come down on that? Is he is he bluffing? Would he really play that card, even if it was just a low-grade nuclear uh, explosion somewhere in Ukraine, to make his point? Well, you know, this is the, the, the real problem. I mean, the kind of work I do analytically always breaks down when you got, get to the question of rationality. And if the person you're dealing with is not rational, then your best analysis can kind of go out the window. That being said... We have seen the Russians in past when they invaded uh, Hungary in 1956 and Czechoslovakia in 68 and solidarity and opposed that in the 1980s and even invaded Afghanistan in 79, that they put their nuclear forces on a higher level of alert. So they've somewhat done this in past. Number two, clearly it's saber rattling by Putin. It's underscoring what he said in that speech at the onset, that long kind of diatribe in which he said anybody who interferes will suffer consequences beyond their imagination or words to that effect. So he's reminding us if we needed to have that memory or our allies that he has that particular option. U.S. has kind of taken it as, okay, that's fine. We're monitoring what Russian nuclear forces are doing. The Pentagon has said there's been no change in status, by the way, uh, of U.S. nuclear forces. Uh, they did postpone a test launch of a Minuteman missile routine test launch that they had planned. That was postponed, I think, in the middle of a crisis. That's just prudent. But this is a point of major concern. And if he's gone to thermobarics and everything else, might he then say, think I could go to using a tactical nuclear weapon to try to bring this particular war in the Ukraine to a close? Sadly, not out of the realm of the possible. Mm. Okay. Jeff McCausland, Jeff CBS military analyst like no other. Thank you, Jeff, for joining <laughs> us today. We, we always appreciate your perspective. Be safe. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.